Welcome to Story of a Storyteller. I'm your host, Connor Braden. This is the show where I found out all about the ins and outs of the lives of storytellers of all kinds. You can find my free novella, The Stolen Dagger, episode show notes, links to all sorts of amazing books, and more at connorbraden.com slash podcast. Enjoy! Hello everyone and welcome back to the show. Uh, This is the start of season four of the podcast and I'm really excited as this season is going to end on the year anniversary of the show. So um, that's kind of a big deal. (laughs) Um, You'd be surprised but a lot of podcasts actually only get to maybe episode, I think there's big drop offs at episode four, ten and 20 and we're now well beyond that now. So it's kind of exciting to know that this is something that's going to last. So, I'm going to be celebrating the year anniversary, but more on that later. Today is not only special because it's the start of season four, but it's also the start of uh, a new type of episode. So basically, I had not one, but two different guests. That's right. For the first time, I'll be interviewing two people at once. My guests today are business partners and they're an engaged couple too, uh, Celosia Crane and NJ Sullivan. Both Celosia and Nick are authors of short story anthologies as well as novels. They are also the creative and production team of Lantern Works Audio, a podcast network that features four different podcasts hosted and written by both of them. Nick has two podcasts on his own, Old Bob and Brimstone, and then Celosia has the podcast Bedtime Stories with Celosia Crane, and together they run the Punks in the Library podcast. We talk about their childhoods, how they met, and the many plans the couples have for the future. It's quite a chaotic interview in the best sense possible, and I'm sure you'll really get a kick out of it. As for personal news, I'm finally on my summer holidays from school. Woohoo! Uh, so I'm hoping the writing will kick up a gear. It's been a while since my grandmother's passing, but it really knocked me off my stride, uh, the stride that I was on anyway back in May. I think, looking back now, I think that I didn't give myself enough time to grieve and recover, and I expected myself just to bounce back in a couple of days, and then when I tried to force myself to write I just couldn't and I got in this weird funk that every writer is going to be familiar with the really wanting to write but you've made writing a daunting task and also you feel guilty about not writing so the guilt stops you from writing and it's just this weird cyclical negativity cyclone of emotion um, but look I've expected myself to recover too quickly and that sometimes happens so that's why season 3 ended prematurely and I brought the guests that I was going to have for the last two episodes of season 3 forward into this season so you'll hear them anyway um, so I'm just happy to have had a proper break and get back into it um, in terms of writing I was on 22,000 uh, words of the sequel to The Longest Night and I was also editing my children's fantasy novel so I'm going to continue with both of those projects I'm going to go over and back between the two because I think it's probably not the best thing to do in terms of productivity but uh, it is for good for me because what will happen is as I get fed up or frustrated with one project I can go to the other and I'll be bouncing straight back in terms of energy so maybe maybe it'll actually be better productivity wise who knows Um, But I'm happy enough with that, and that's what's important. So as for the podcast birthday celebrations, I was hoping to have a giveaway running all season long with a massive prize to be announced uh, at the next episode. So the prize will be announced at the top of episode two, and then the winner of the prize will be announced on the final episode of the season. 
So if you'd like to enter, all you have to do is go to any social media platform you use, whether it be Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, wherever. Make a post recommending the show to people that follow you or even tagging or commenting or wherever, anywhere where you say, hey, I think you like this podcast, Story of a Storyteller. Um, then just screenshot the post and email it to me at connor at connorbraden.com. So that's connor at connorbraden.com. Braden is B-R-E-D-I-N. But you'll find that in the show notes and you're automatically entered. That's it. I mean, how easy can I make it? Probably easier. I could just say like, hey, go to a Google form. But no, I want to, <laughs> I want this to help the show. <laughs> so I'm going to stop rambling now and I'm going to let Nick and Celosia ramble instead. Here is the interview. Hello, guys. Nice to have you on the show. This is going to be an experience for all of us because Nick and Celosia, you've never been a guest on a podcast before and I've never had two people on at the same time before so. <laughs> and we've Massive never been learning. interviewed together either yeah well so. there you go so there's, there's yeah. all sorts of new first things. all around yeah yeah um thankfully uh all of us have very different sounding voices because anyone listening i i personally hate it when there's more than two people on a podcast and if two of them sound even vaguely alike i completely lose track of what's going on so what you're saying is i shouldn't t- be talking like this then I shouldn't be raising my voice at all. If that's your attempt at an Irish accent. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> I don't even try. Don't worry. No, I no, could go straight into me. I could go straight into me lucky charms if you like. <laughs> that's not even a real accent. I know. Um, who would like to go first? Who wants to do round one, Nick or Celosia? Her. He's going to his... put me up first, huh? Throw yeah, me yeah, under the bus. You first. <laughs> So, Salosia, why don't you get us started and tell me a little bit about your childhood, where you grew up, um, siblings, all that kind of a thing. Uh, I grew, well, I was born in the Chicago area, um, northeastern Illinois, um, and we lived in the suburbs till I was about eight. Um, actually had some really cool opportunities while we were there. My whole family volunteered at an 1890s living history farm. Um, So you dress like in period and cook like they did everything. Um, So I have a lot of very fond memories of that from when I was a child. And then when I was eight, uh, my father went through, I guess, his midlife crisis and bought a farm. (laughs) (laughs) So we moved to uh, South Central Wisconsin. And his original dream was to be able to do all of the farming with horse-drawn implements, um, like we did at the Living History Farm. Okay, so, so he not yeah. only decided to completely change lifestyle, he decided to com- become a complete Luddite and just go right back. Just about, yeah. yeah. Basically <laughs> Amish. <laughs> yeah. Um, that lasted six to eight months, and then he had to go back to work to feed his five children. <laughs> so we, we lived on the farm for 20 years, um, rented off most of the arable land to a neighbor who farmed it for us, essentially. Um, had horses, sheep couple of cows every once in a while that we would raise for the meat and uh, so I kind of grew up a little feral you know just running around playing on you know playing Mary Poppins in the barn jumping into (laughs) a loose pile of hay kind of stuff yeah (laughs) yeah I've had that experience too yeah Yeah, it's fun it's a lot of fun we had sleepovers in the barn too that was actually a little creepy sometimes (laughs) wouldn't be able to do that in Ireland with the temperatures but we always wanted to (laughs) yeah the temperature (laughs) the temperature where she grew up is actually colder actually yeah wisconsin is <laughs> yeah. yeah but you also get it's it's like it gets very cold but it also gets very hot in the summer doesn't it yeah yeah and very yeah. humid yeah. we we never get the heat 
like <laughs> a hot day in Ireland is like 19 degrees Celsius. Uh, so that, I don't know the conversion. Just if America could just second, catch up and use the metric it. system like everybody else, everything would be easy. Um, but anyway, sorry. About, it's about 65, 70. Oh, so perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's about perfect temperature. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. But that's like hot here. Yeah. Um, so like what what about school when you when you moved from the suburbs to a farm uh you obviously moved schools I'm sure but yeah um, oh yeah because it was probably almost about a two hour we moved two hours away from where we used to live and so we went from you know a school in a suburb to a very small K through 12 school in my town which when I left was 1140 people so yeah it was quite a culture shift and a culture shock um can I just ask you you said something that I I don't fully understand when you say k through 12 I know k is kindergarten yes um was it the one school that does like elementary middle and high school in the one building um, yes, in larger towns, they'll split those. So yeah. like you'll go to elementary school to either middle school or junior high and then high school. So uh-huh. this, um, because it was such a small town, it was literally one building and there were different sections of the building for each of the different kind of age groups. Age groups. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, no, because yeah. I, I knew about the, the three levels, but yeah. I never knew it could be done in the one building so that's cool oh yeah <laughs> and um so then when you're growing up like and you had that big change um what what was the hardest bit to go from because like an american suburb is essentially an irish city let's let's call it yeah. state, all right um yes. so like to go from a, a a very urban childhood to suddenly very rural um yeah was there any culture shocks for you that kind of stuck with you um uh, i'm not super sure I kind of was off in my own world anyway already at that point um I I struggled with fitting into the culture of the small town um I went through periods where I got bullied pretty heavily uh, Mm. to the point that for the last two years of middle school I was actually homeschooled um, because it had gotten that bad in sixth grade um so that actually was really good for me because I was able to kind of learn more at my own pace. And my mom worked in my love of reading to get me interested into other subjects. Math, I still really struggled with because math. <laughs> Numbers. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not good at them. <laughs> but um, so that was, it was definitely interesting. I think I was a lot more openly artistic, I guess, would mm. be an easy way to phrase it than a lot of the kids that, grew up in that culture and in that environment, I think partly just because of the culture that was in place. Um, you know, family farms, we lived there for over 20 years and we're still considered outsiders. Yeah. Um, so like it was a very kind of closed community where if your family hadn't lived there for years and years and years. Um, you were the blow-ins. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so no, like I, I loved the- being on the farm, but yeah the community was severely lacking. Okay. Um, so you mentioned your love of reading mm-hmm. uh, and your mother working that into your homeschool. And so what were the big reading loves of your childhood? Oh, I could probably give you about a book a, a year. <laughs> kind of were the big ones. You Do know, you have a week? Have... <laughs> no, it might take a week. 
That's um, here's the other thing. I'm also as we're as we're talking, I'm also like settling in. I'm like, oh, I, I have Nick as well to go through. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> so like, Let's keep it moving, guys. <laughs> um I remember, okay, third grade, the big book we read in class was uh, James and the Giant Peach, uh, yeah, which yeah. Uh, I was in what they call a split classroom for third grade. So half of the class was third, half of the class was fourth. Okay, and yeah. they had a student teacher who would kind of alternate teaching the different groups. And so they were reading a different book, which was called From the Mixed Up Files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler. And it was about these two kids who ran away and lived in the New York Metropolitan Museum of Art which way cooler. I had already read James and the Giant Peach at this point, you know? Um, So he let me, he's like, well, if you finish it, then I'll let you read this other book so that you'll pay attention in class. (laughs) And I finished James and the Giant Peach in one night and nobody believed me in class. I think my teacher did, but um, in fourth grade, our teacher read us um, The Rats of Nim. And then, yeah. And then during that time period, my school had a 15 minute break during the day where you could read on your own, which was like my favorite time of the day. And that year I worked my way through Black Beauty, like only reading it during that time. And then in fifth grade, I really went into the horse world. (laughs) I don't remember titles really, Um, but I do remember the book we read as a class was The Hatchet which is about a kid in a small plane who it goes down in the Canadian wilderness and the pilot dies and he basically survives with only a hatchet as the only tool he has. Okay. Yeah. And then sixth grade, we dived into Greek mythology and yeah. yeah. Very, you <laughs> and know, I got in trouble. Very, for- <laughs> like from a teacher's point of view, that that's a really like the, the reading list kind of yo-yos over and back doing so many different oh, yeah. themes and everything. Yeah. yeah. It's broad spectrum yeah yeah which is good don't get me like yeah it's great you know yeah Um, and in sixth grade we did the holocaust kind of woven in books and okay yeah yeah. and and then i got in trouble for reading during study hall (laughs) (laughs) instead of doing my homework so nick we'll move on over to you now what about you Uh, how similar or different was yours and uh slosia's childhood um remarkably different (laughs) (laughs) I grew Good, up because it was in... the exact same. It wouldn't be a very interesting interview. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. I grew up uh, in just outside of Buffalo, New York, a town called the Town of Evans. That's the official name. It's not Evans. It's the Town of Evans. Oh, I have no idea why. Wow. Okay. But uh, I, um, I just lost my prompt. Damn me. That's okay. So the town of Evans is where you grew yeah. up. And what, what was your um, what was your family situation like? like uh, were you rural? Were you urban? We were, we suburban? were suburban. Uh, the term that was used was a commuter town. A commuter town. Okay. Yeah. Meaning most people worked in the city of Buffalo, but a lot of people, you know, people don't want to live in the city. So it's that kind of town. It's like a suburb, but independent. Yeah. Independent yeah. government. Uh I grew up with both of my parents. My father worked in construction. Uh, His father worked in construction. All my uncles worked in construction. Uh, My mom was a classically trained pianist with three college degrees. (laughs) And she wasn't a professional pianist. She actually was a teacher uh, before I was born and then became a member of the town government later on and got a law degree when I was in middle school. So 
education was a big thing in my house. Yeah. Um, and I'd say in the same time, because of your father's side of the family, <clears throat> like hard work and rolling up your sleeves is probably very I, important. Yeah. As well. Yeah, exactly. Um, we did a lot of like when it was time to put a new deck on the house, we put the new deck on the house. Yeah. 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 You know, it's me out there at 10 years old with a post hole digger. <laughs> that's taller than I am. Um, that kind of, yeah, we did a lot of that kind of stuff and, you know, learned a lot of the important things like don't stick your hand in the saw, you know, important stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> but I went to a more traditionally American school system than Celosia did, uh, elementary actually we had an intermediate school because we had more students than our middle school could hold so we had kindergarten through fourth grade and then fifth and sixth were in a separate building and then we had a middle school which was seventh eighth and ninth and then the senior high school was 10th 11th and 12th grade and not not to go too much into the American education system again, but um, <laughs> what grade would you normally do middle school? Like what grades are they? Uh, middle school would be, what would that be? Fifth, sixth, seventh? Yeah. Fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth? Or sixth, seventh, eighth. Or sixth, oh. seventh, eighth. Yeah. Um, but because we had yeah. more students than the middle school could hold, they actually took the old high school and turned it into the intermediate school. So... It, it, you don't yeah don't it's just build a new school <clears throat> like, i know well you know, it's right there <laughs> oh god and uh what were your favorite subjects in school then oh uh art music and english <laughs> i'm pretty easy pretty easy to uh pin down with that one hmm. i enjoyed sciences i never really got the hang of math i'm capable of it but it didn't hold my interest well enough for me to stick with it really mm. uh which is very interesting because my best friend is a physicist so <laughs> we have a lot of very interesting math conversations that i don't understand <laughs> at, at all um but yeah my uh let's see here i the last math i took was in the ninth grade that was the last time i took a math course ninth grade so that'd be uh wait really thir- 13 14 years old yeah wow it was the okay. last math i took in ireland maths because first of all it's maths maths yes um maths is mandatory until you're 19 see um, my class was the last one in new york state that it wasn't mandatory all the way through so yeah so now it is mandatory. I didn't go beyond algebra and geometry yep oh. uh the last what my last year of high school, school. i took five English classes, an art class, uh, phys ed, PE, and chorus. Are your subjects? Yeah. <laughs> I, I also taught uh, the 11th grade English class. Of, of course, of course you did. Now, that, now <clears throat> I was going to compare and be like, well, here's the subjects I did in my leaving search, which is your last year in school in Ireland. Mm-hmm. But no, no, please explain <laughs> why a child is teaching children English. Um, mainly because, because the, the teacher, teacher didn't understand, understand Beowulf. Beowulf. Oh, okay. And she <laughs> asked me to teach it. 
so I taught, taught a semester, semester. Uh, wow. for yeah. her because, because she was doing old English literature. literature. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start stuttering because I'm hearing that <laughs> echo of myself from the mics. Um, no, she didn't understand Beowulf, and I could, I had a fair ability to read old English at that point. Okay. So Anglo-Saxon. And yeah, I know. Just leave me alone about it. I'm that I'm that kind of nerd. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's all right. It, it, I, I knew you were that kind of nerd when you said you taught a class. So yeah, it's fine. <laughs> and it was Beowulf. <laughs> but no, she want, she was going through. Uh, she was she taught the honors English class, which is like the high level English for mm. each grade level. And she was teaching a early English literature she taught an early English literature section and I wasn't even in honors English because oh. I didn't feel like taking the test Oh, because he had to test in and I just didn't feel like it. I was that lazy. Um, but she knew I understood it because she and I had actually become friends during my 11th grade year. Hmm. And so she asked me to teach it for her. And I taught a full semester of early English literature, Piers Plowman and Beowulf and uh, geez, there were more, but, Canterbury Canterbury Tales was in there yeah yeah don't teach high school kids the Canterbury Tales holy cow or or even better don't teach high school kids (laughs) I mean I I learned that lesson later on in life um but so yeah and then I went off to college for eight years okay and still managed to never take a math (laughs) <laughs> that's yeah that that just seems so bizarre but it, to it's, me but the, i can't i can't believe they let me get away with it honestly yeah like yeah. they it, that shouldn't have happened no um so for for both of you because I, I didn't ask you this question uh, so i'm gonna ask you both then um when like looking back and thinking of your school years and your early childhood and your family and all that kind of a thing at any point did you know i want to be a storyteller i want to be someone who creates stories or is that something you just kind of fell naturally into slosia is being pointed well, i was going to say family. i'm going to pull something down from my bookshelf you're going to pull what, everything down from your bookshelf i did not expect that to happen that's hilarious <laughs> i was going to pull I got down two this of isn't us. mine oh you see man. the name on that life's tough in outer space Yep. By, oh, I didn't. Nicholas didn't. Sullivan. There you go. I wrote that book in kindergarten. Oh, I was <laughs> so six. he's got the jump on me. A bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's I... a good book. <laughs> I just read it recently. <laughs> Alrighty then. I'm just glad that the picture frame didn't fall down. I'm glad the shelf didn't fall down. I put that up. Do it. <laughs> So um, I know we didn't do a health and safety bit at the start before we record, but I'm going to start doing a health and safety bit at the start from now on. We've been off the rails since we started recording. You know that, right? We were off the rails before we started recording. <laughs> Let's call it a spade a spade. Oh, goodness. Well, um, so Nick obviously the had the Nick obviously had the storytelling um uh, gene early did did, mm-hmm. did it, when did it arrive for you so uh, I physically started to write about seventh grade um, but my mom would tell you that I've always been a storyteller 
um, in seventh grade. So this was during my homeschool time period. Mm. She had an old Macintosh computer that she used because she was a freelance editor for the local paper. And she had me write a report one day. And I sat down the next day and wrote a 10 page story. Okay. Just like that. But yeah, like I was the one who couldn't write a paragraph before this. There was a block mm-hmm. and the computer unlocked it. That's funny. Cause and I blame Microsoft Word for my grammar. <laughs> well, as long as you have someone to blame. Well, you're not going to blame your mom, who was your homeschool teacher for a while. So, like, you may as well blame the technology. <laughs> well, I got I irritated with the green and red little squiggly lines. Yeah, yeah. I just I didn't know you off. couldn't turn them off. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. Um, so you learned on a... So a typewriter... <laughs> you could have just said typewriter. <laughs> in fact, it's in here somewhere. Oh wow! I was going to okay. say mine uh, is so... under my desk. For the for the purposes of your health and safety, um, we <laughs> have to not pick up things again. <laughs> the thing weighs about thirty pounds. So I'm not picking that up. <laughs> um, but I'll do is for anybody watching or listening. I'll edit. I'll get uh, Napier Slosi to send me a picture of it, and I'll put it in. And for anyone listening. Yeah it'll be on the blog post on the website as well. So it'll be, everything's all there ready for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jazz hands. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, someone would said to me, was like, how do you, how do you have everything ready and all that? I'm like, oh, cause I say it in the interview and then I'm writing as I'm going, like all the jobs yeah. I have to give myself. Making notes. Like, make it look like you're smart by just doing it on the spot and then preemptively putting it all together. One so, of my mom's favorite phrases was if you make a mistake make it look like you did it on purpose oh yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> so we've we've kind of talked about your kind of early lives i'd love to know the story of where or how you guys uh, met whoever wants well, to me to take this one you take it <laughs> we have a mutual friend todd who is Solosia's editor and has been and is an author and has been a friend of mine for several years And Todd was getting married in Galveston, Texas, which is right down on the Gulf, Gulf of Mexico. And I was living up here in Colorado. Celosia was living uh, in Illinois at that point. And we were both invited to the wedding. And I was supposed to be bringing a date. And my date ghosted me about a month before the wedding. Okay just completely stopped talking to me and so i went solo and the night i got there i texted todd and said hey what's everybody doing because it's a destination wedding you figure people are going to meet up and hang out the night before and todd was like well we don't have any plans but i've got a couple of friends who are in town and they wanted to walk around the city because there was a, a festival, Dickens on the Strand, which is a Victorian Christmas festival that they do down there in the historic part of the city. On the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll get to that part in a minute. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I was in, I had full Victorian dress. I was in a three-piece wool Victorian suit the entire time I was there. With a top hat, gloves. I had big goatee. I had it uh, waxed oh, and curled. God. 
Yeah. And so that night, <clears throat> Todd was like, yeah, I've got these two friends who want to, you know, walk around the historic part of the city, but they don't have anybody to go with them. I was mm-hmm. like, I'll go with them. Have them meet me because my hotel was right in the middle of where the festival was. I was like, you know, have them meet me. You know, this is what I look like. And I took a picture. Not that Todd wouldn't know, but they wouldn't know so that, yeah. you know, they could actually know what I looked like. And I escorted them around the city that night. And we ended up having to go back to my hotel because I was in 15 pounds of wool in 80 degree temperatures. Yeah. Like full long coat, like proper Victorian suit. So I need to stop you, Nick. And I need to go to Celosia and be like, what were you thinking when you meet this man? (laughs) (laughs) Like with the the handlebar mustache, goatee, like gloves, in well, Asia, then, which I yeah. know is hot, but I don't know how hot it is in real temperature. Um, we'll see. It's fine. I know we'll it's figure hot. it out. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew going in that it was this festival was going on, and they were encouraging people to dress if they were comfortable in costume for it for mm. the wedding, because the wedding itself was a steampunk pirate airship theme. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. So yeah. yeah. So I, I wasn't in costume the night we met, but uh, the picture we have that we took together the next day at the reception, I was in full corset, bustle, pirate look. Yeah. <laughs> pirate hat. Yeah. Big purple wig. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> and that's 26.7 C. Okay. Yeah, that's hot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the next day. In the same outfit, it was. Hold on, he's doing. I have an app. You see, if if it was thirty-two C. Okay, yeah, that's that's, yeah. yeah. (laughs) My mustache melted. I yeah, (laughs) I'm sure the rest of you did as well. (laughs) I was hungover, so oh, then you. I was melting anyway. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, we met at the. We met the night before she missed the actual wedding because she was helping everybody else get dressed. Cause she knows how to oh. fit a corset and no, nobody, none of the other women in the wedding party did. So she didn't get a chance to go get changed by the time she got changed and came back, the wedding was over. Oh, man. And so we ended up sitting next to each other at the reception, walking around this uh, Victorian city mansion. I'm not sure if there's a proper term for that. Uh, looking at the crown molding. We were like- 1840s right on the Gulf floor to ceiling windows wow yeah and we walked around uh admiring the sconces and the crown molding and like just looking at the house you know everybody's on the dance floor having fun and we're like that is really good scroll work up there i wonder if that's original like <laughs> so we hit it off basically yeah i was gonna say yeah, you, you, <laughs> like i mean if you find someone that admires something as mundane but also interesting as molds on ceilings yeah exactly I think, I think don't let that person get away from you yeah, because uh, <laughs> you're few and far between and so were you both at this point before just before you met or when you met were you both writing uh for a hobby or are you writing at this point as a career or trying to make it a career maybe published um yeah so i had had um rogues and wildfire and winter whimsy had been published at that point Oh, okay. And I had published all four of my novels at that point. 
So I was, my first novel came out in 2012. Oh, okay. So yeah, things, things, yeah, I was great. Yeah. That's actually how I met Todd was we have a mutual friend and we used to do conventions together. Okay. So we would like watch each other's tables and stuff like that. And that's how Todd and I became friends. And so I met Todd through, uh, you're muted. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it from echoing too much. I know. <laughs> uh, I met Todd through an online writing program that I joined a six month intensive. Oh, okay. um, so we met through there and then Todd also met his business partner through there and they started the press that I've been published through. Oh, okay. All right. So it was just all like, yeah, just interwoven. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> oh, that's really good. So, so you both kind of knew each other's, um, you didn't know each other, but you knew each other's kind of uh, way of life and lifestyle in terms of yeah. like, you're both writers and published mm-hmm. and conventions and all that kind of stuff which i kind of forgot what cons even are at this point i know i know (laughs) but uh i have yet to do a convention as an author we're hoping to start doing that next year i think same but i also feel like ireland doesn't have as many conventions like that and if we do they're usually very small um so small ones can be the most fun though true true, true, true. there's not that press of humanity yeah 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 that's very true so um what is it for both of you about writing that you enjoy the most don't all answer at once <laughs> i think we were both waiting for the other one to start talking. yeah yeah you <laughs> so you answered the last one first so we find it you go oh, okay, okay your turn <laughs> well i come from a background like my family always sat around and told stories hmm. like you go to grandma's house or you you know family reunions everybody ends up in the kitchen telling stories about when dad or when mom was growing up and you know so there's kind of a history kind of a tradition of storytelling in my family and I just I love kind of creating worlds and playing parts and you know growing up a voracious reader the idea of being able to do that myself and kind of writing stories I would want to read and telling stories I would want to hear. Like it's kind of an honor to be able to do it. Yeah. And uh, I was, we were talking about this the other day, actually, that the way I look at it, we are a part of a tradition that goes back to the cave paintings Mm. and that's you know a big part of how I look at it is I get to be a part of that you know tradition going back tens of thousands of years an unbroken string all the all the way leading to the three of us all the way leading you know? to the three of us on a podcast um <laughs> like <laughs> knocking things off shelves. opposite sides of the globe uh yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know what and, you mean, though. It, it's, it's, I suppose I never thought of it like that. Like, that was the whole point of, well, we, we were pretty sure that was the whole point of the cave paintings. Like, it could have been Yeah, like, that they were illustrations in a spoken word book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Early so YouTube. Little... Early YouTube. Early That's YouTube. Yeah, actually, you say that. Uh, this is funny. I had made a note to say this to you afterwards, uh, but seeing as it's relevant now, I'll say it. I was watching, uh, I think I saw it on TikTok, um, but it was a short video. No, it wasn't TikTok because it was longer than a minute. And it was, uh, somebody had discovered why. So a lot of cave paintings, when you look at them, um, animals might have five legs. I think I know what heads. you're talking about. Do you? But yeah, yeah, a, yeah. Go on, I'll, finish, I'll finish the thought though. Listeners. Yeah. Because it's, it's unreal. And um, for ages, people didn't know, like they just thought, did someone paint over it? Or like, is there a particular reason or whatever? And like, some guy or some woman or somebody twigged, well, hang on. Like we're so deep in the cave system that it's pitch black without lights. So they had to have lights. So the fire when because that was the only way yep. they would have had light when the fire is there it's not a still light it flickers and it moves and it shifts and what ends up happening was that it makes the uh, yeah it's it's it makes the uh, painting flicker and move a bit so mm-hmm. that it kind of looks like it's moving like and, it's animated yeah, yeah basically yeah. yeah and they actually did that they turned off all the lights and they lit fires and they were like oh my god and it just it came it just to shows life how intelligent cave people yeah. or the stone age people were because i think there's this stereotype of um that the, like we are physiologically no different from the people that did those paintings like, at all yeah. no at all and there was people who were alive then that were much more intelligent than the three of us combined oh definitely so it's just so interesting to be like of course they had these things of course they figured out these kind of things you know and uh just makes me love the stone age people so much more <laughs> and when like i i one of my majors in college was archaeology and oh. so you're right in my wheelhouse with that <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. Uh, but one of the things that kind of always blows my mind and people talk about it with food like who was the first person who thought it was a good idea to suck on a cow's teat yeah <laughs> you know and but if you think about like the bronze age that had to come from somewhere which means some dude or some lady or some person, I should say, figured out that if I bang this rock with this harder rock and beat it into powder and then get it really, really hot, it turns into something useful. How many different rocks did they try before they found yeah, copper yeah, yeah, yeah. and then tin and then thought, hey, if I put them together, it might be better. Yeah. They were yeah. metallurgists. They were experimenting. Yeah. And it's just, it's so crazy to me. Some, and I bet that guy or that person had everybody around them telling them they were an idiot and wasting their time because <laughs> <laughs> they're just banging on a rock with another rock. Yeah. And then I'm sure all of us have had people tell us that we're, we are foolish for pursuing podcasting oh, and pursuing yeah. writing and stuff like that. And I'm not saying we're as intelligent as uh, stone age people but you know we, we, it's the same kind of a thing of you're experimenting and you're trying to make something work and eventually it will you know um hopefully so, so Solosia, <laughs> what about you and your um your love of writing like what is the, the part of it that you love the most um, i think pretty similar you know the the ability to create worlds and um I'm a big fantasy nut, always have been. Um, And so for me, especially in the hardest times in middle school, you know, escaping into a story was one of the ways that I kind of survived. And so being able to take that and to create these intricate worlds and systems and um, 
am in the process of editing my first full-length fantasy novel and, you know, creating all of that. It's just, you get to explore and kind of take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And, you know, I have another project where I'm combining Greek underworld mythology with Victorian society, just because why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, it sounded like fun. <laughs> They're both <laughs> things that interest me. So I'm going to put them together and see what happens. Um, awesome. So, yeah. Well, a I mean, that's, of... we're both at a steampunk themed wedding. I mean, that's essentially what someone did. They took, you know, yeah. clockwork and steam engines and all that and the Victorian kind of aesthetic and put them together. And now it's a whole genre on its own. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so you both are multi podcasters, if that makes sense. <laughs> uh, you have so many um just to <laughs> name them to be sure that i took my notes properly uh, um nick you have uh, brimstone and you have old bob yeah uh, slosi you have bedtime stories with slosia crane yeah. uh you also then have punks in the library which is your podcast that you do together and i know you're both working on another podcast each so here's me thinking i'm great because i run my <laughs> podcast all by myself and here's you two guys coming along with like giving me the metaphorical podcaster middle finger uh so <laughs> i love how you're both talking you're both on mute this time oh. <laughs> <laughs> don't look at it that way think about it this way you have a full-time job true i don't this is true. my full-time job that is so you know i have <clears throat> and i work generally i work 16 hour days doing this yeah so you know, there's no looking down on anybody who's just doing one. You're probably way smarter than me for just doing one. <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> so I know that, uh, like, because they're very different. So just just so I can give um, the, the audience an understanding. Uh, Brim, Brimstone and Old Bob, Nick's two podcasts, are both, um, uh, they're essentially radio play, but they're not. Yeah, radio it, dramas. Like radio yeah. dramas, but, um, you know, in... in that's basically what they are and then yeah. bedtime stories i mean i don't think i need to explain what bedtime stories is because you very cleverly put it in the title um <laughs> but then so could you explain to me first uh punks in the library um because i i i, I know how it started but i'd love <laughs> to get your i'd love for the listeners to know uh punks in the library basically came out of the idea of people calling me an idiot <laughs> ultimately and I, growing up, I played in punk bands. I was, you know, my mother was a classical pianist. She insisted we all learn an instrument. And I ended up playing guitar and I ended up playing in punk bands throughout high school and, you know, 15 to about 22 in that range. And so I kind of developed a very DIY attitude toward things, you know, very much, you know, there are no rules. There are only guidelines kind of mentality. And then I got more seriously into the writing world, the world of authors. And I had already been writing for a long time. And I started being told, you can't do it that way. You have to do this. You have to have these elements. You have to do these things. And uh, it came to a head actually before nickel city came out you know so we're talking 2008 2009 it came to a head when i got a traditional publishing contract and for nickel city originally uh 
And they told me that I needed to include a romance subplot in my story about an immortal noir detective. <laughs> I had to have a romance subplot and I told them no. And they said, well, good luck getting this published anywhere else. We have right of first refusal. <clears throat> okay. So I burned the manuscript. <laughs> I wouldn't let them have it. <clears throat> and that kind of like set me on the path to just saying, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it my way, whether I fail or succeed. Mm. And after Celosia and I met, I kind of, you know, I didn't bring her in on that, but I kind of realized that she had that same kind of thing where we had been told for so long how to do it and that there is only a right way. And question. Yep. just to get a time, a sense of the time, when did you actually meet? Um... Uh, 2018. Okay, okay. Yeah, the first weekend of December in 2018. <laughs> yeah, end, end of 2018. <laughs> and just there, you both answered a question I wasn't going to ask, which was, who's the one who remembers the anniversary? Because in every couple, there's only one who remembers the anniversary. and the other We, one we both do. We oh, both you both do. do? Okay. I'm I just bad it. with the years. Okay. <laughs> I knew the month. <laughs> he did. Uh, if we forget, we just have to remember Todd's anniversary. I, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> We met the day before. Yep. <laughs> uh, so when when Celosi and I met and kind kind of realized that we both had this understanding, getting back to the question, that we didn't want to be told how to create, mm. and I just got this image in my head of being a literal punk in a library. You're surrounded by all these studious looking people and you walk in a leather jacket with a mohawk and beat up old Doc Martens on and you're going to stand out a little bit. Mm. It doesn't mean it's wrong to do things your own way. And I thought, well, why don't we start a podcast where we talk about doing what we do from like street level, from, you know, not college professors and literary theorists and, you know, writing coaches. We are not that. We are people who have taken the hard knocks. Yeah. And we want to tell you what that's like, how we do what we do and how you can do what you want to do and kind of inspire people to tell the story they want to tell in the way they want to tell it is usually the way I phrase it. Okay. And so, you know, the idea of being a punk in a library, which I usually am about once a week, I spend, a, we spend a decent amount of time in libraries and she was like, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that. Absolutely. And we started the podcast and we've been obnoxiously inconsistent with it before now. Well, <sighs> I mean, you know, if, if you're going to do anything punk, why, why would you <laughs> why? stay to a particular schedule? I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> So, Solosia, <laughs> what has uh, what has punks in the library been like for you? Like now, like like uh, looking back, I don't want to say looking back like as if it's done, but you know, <laughs> I mean, you've been doing it for a while. So, looking back, how has like I'm sure you're proud of it. If you weren't proud of it, you wouldn't still be doing it. But what is it about it that makes you keep wanting to do new episodes? The open conversation of kind of the different topics that come up, you know, we both come to them from slightly different perspectives, um, different experiences for sure. Um, and just 
having an excuse to talk about literary stuff is fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's so. not fun, what's the point? <laughs> right? Yeah. And, you know, getting to have an excuse to sit down and have these types of conversations as a couple, but also as authors who come from their own perspectives and are wanting to share that perspective with other people, hmm. um, I think has been good for our relationship, I hope. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't hurt it. <laughs> yeah, I, I assume it hasn't. Like, if you can work together, yeah. I'm pretty sure you can stay together. <laughs> I hope so. We're doing so, all right so, so far. Was Punks in the Library the first podcast in your wheelhouse? Yeah, it was my first time into the um, podcasting foray. Um, he kind of planted the idea of me having my own. And then after like a month, maybe I was like, yeah, I think I want to do this. And it was also during the height of the pandemic. Mm. And, you know, my family is in the Midwest and East Coast. And I have pretty young nieces and nephews. And so when I started Bedtime Stories, it was like, well, I can't really be physically a part of their lives right now because of distance and travel restrictions, but <laughs> I can still read them stories. Um, and it's been really kind of cool to see where it's gone from that. We have a mutual friend um, who is a veteran uh, with PTSD and he finds listening to it very soothing wow. and helping him kind of wind down from those episodes. And so like knowing that, I've somehow found an audience. <laughs> it may not have been the one I originally intended, but people really seem to be enjoying, um, you know, listening to folk tales and fairy tales and fables. And it's been really kind of cool. That That is really cool. And I, I didn't, yeah. I, I'm so glad you, you said that because I, I was going to ask like, why bedtime stories? Why Brimstone? Why Old Bob? Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's, that's such a nice um unexpected result of uh yeah stories. and i'm i'm a huge fan of <clears throat> fairy tales anyway i always have been um and so i already had quite the collection of books that i could draw from and um kind of exposure to different cultures and and things as well so it's a lot of fun for me to dive into the different mythologies of different cultures and to see how different they all are it's very fascinating she did an uh, entire month on Wales. The country. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, like, I did Moby have Dick. one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I probably could read that if I wanted to, because I'm sure it's public domain at this point. I'm sure. But I don't want to. 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 <laughs> um, so, and can I, just to be sure, because I, I, I listened to um, one episode of Bedtime Stories, but I didn't get to look at all. Are they all stories that... Uh, are any of them your own original ones or is it just ones like from folk tales from myth legend i think i have one original on there right now um which is called the hound of hecate uh, which takes place in that greek mythology victorian melded world um but beyond that at this point it's all been reading stories yeah that's that's such a great idea and um so Punks of the Library was first. So then, Nick, was yeah. it you that then started up? I think Brimstone was the old one. Uh, the original one was actually N.J. Sullivan telling tales. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was telling, it was originally it was just <laughs> going to be, I'm going to tell a story every now and then. 
you know, it's not going to be like an ongoing series. It's just going to be stories. I'm just going to write stories. And then <clears throat> it started becoming just all brimstone. But I had a sci-fi story I wanted to tell too. And I realized I'm probably going to have to split these two into two separate podcasts, mm. which is how I ended up with old Bob and brimstone and the new one that's coming because I'm a lunatic. Uh, <clears throat> so brimstone started out as an experiment i just wanted to kind of play with the format a little bit and see what i could do with it and kind of play with the idea of like a noir detective story told in first person because you know i grew up playing music i grew up with a mic in my face a lot of the time <laughs> so i really enjoy kind of being able to embody a character mm like to tell a story because I also grew up listening to and so did Solosia actually a lot of the old radio serials like the Lone Ranger and the Phantom and the Shadow and the War of the Worlds which is the fa most famous one yeah and I grew up listening to those and I really enjoyed them you know a lot of late night car rides coming back from grandma's house on Sunday listening to the radio and they would play old serials and so I always kind of had a love for that type of storytelling mm. and i wanted to experiment with it and brimstone started to gain a following and i was like well i've got this other story i want to tell but i don't want to mix them together yeah uh, so that's <clears throat> when i split old bob off into its own thing and just you know got rid of telling tales as a podcast and made it old bob and brimstone so I hope I answered the question. I'm not sure if I did. <laughs> I, I'll be honest. It's, it's, it's a conversation, not a question and answer. Cause okay. I don't actually remember what I asked. The <laughs> but it was really interesting. So it's fine. <laughs> uh, it went punks in the library and then telling tales, which became brimstone, brimstone. and old Bob. And then a, actually, no, you started. Solosia, you started uh bedtime, bedtime stories before mm -hmm. the same month but before i started before i put brimstone up so before telling oh. tales went live because brim the first episode of brimstone went up on halloween mm -hmm. oh, okay. and she had started beginning of october to so yeah you did it first trend center yeah look <laughs> at you <laughs> i put the idea in your head though yeah, well, I, I said that in her defense, she did say he, you know, he gave me this idea, but yeah, she was quicker off the mark, I guess. Well, I had been experimenting with doing live storytelling on Twitch for a while before that, mm. and I wasn't gaining any traction, and it kind of came down to why am I doing this live? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know, it's way easier to screw up live. I know. Uh yeah, <laughs> and, and try memorizing a ten thousand word story. Oh. I, no, no, thank you. Yeah, I, I've yeah. done, I've done my time. I, I stage actor for a while. Okay, and, so you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It makes um, a soliloquy look like the back of a, you know, back of a cereal box. <laughs> I my my hardest part I think I ever had was I was uh, Laertes in Hamlet, and not as bad as Hamlet, obviously, but you know, La Laertes talks. <laughs> He's long-winded. He's very long-winded. Long yeah. Um, but hey, hey, that's it. So 
we're, we're creeping up on, on time already and it feels like we're only really getting oh. started um but i think that's the thing i think because there's two of you there was so much more i wanted to do but you know i might i might just get you on another day um so i'm gonna ask my same four questions that i or yeah five four or five questions that i always ask at the end what i'll do is i'll ask the question and then both of you answer one straight after the other and then we'll get a nice lovely uh finish to this wonderful conversation yeah. speed round we're doing the speed round, speed round. <laughs> it's, it's general um, ignorance fingers on your buzzers yes that's good. <laughs> wow uh, so, qi reference <laughs> so first question is um when uh, we've stopped recording and when we said the goodbyes and good looks and all that kind of thing what's the first thing you're both going to be doing i am probably going to go pee fair <laughs> I'm probably going to check and see if my package has been delivered yet. <laughs> uh, is it anything exciting or is it something dull? Uh, it's a new craft. Oh, I'm going to learn how to make papers out of crepe paper or flowers wow. out of crepe paper. Oh. <laughs> That's still pretty cool. I thought you meant like get crepe, crepe, crepe paper and like mulch it down again and make new, <laughs> make new paper. I was just like, That's no. really cool. I mean, I've done it before, but it's kind of messy. It's messy and it's it's takes a long time and it's really easy to mess up. Yeah. Like yeah. in the sense of like the paper will be unusable. So um awesome. Next one. What are <laughs> your goals, both of you, as uh, I'll say storytellers? I was I had it I had it written down as what are your goals as podcasters, but I'll say storytellers because you know you have short stories, you have novels as well. So mm-hmm. um Nick went first the last time. So Sodosia, what are your goals now? Um, I mean the big goal, be able to turn this into a living where I don't have to work outside the home. So writing and podcasting, um, I'd love to get into doing conventions and for us to be able to travel. And mine aren't that different, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What I'm hoping for for the company for Lantern Audio Works is to be able to have our own studio to be able to actually do the equivalent of movie production, but for audiobooks and audio dramas, you know, with full production facilities, with custom music, all of that stuff, and kind of become producers and directors in a sense, still do our own work, but produce for other people as well. Oh, okay. So kind of like be a production company. So but first comes making enough money to, you know, Survive. first comes Solosia's goal is, you know, paying the <clears> rent and, you know, hosting this fees. being hosting fees and this being full time, a full time job for both of us. That's worth the amount of time we put into it, that we're making enough back on it to cover it. So, so that we can each have our own office. So, yeah, because this is actually how we work. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, okay. we're back to back. And over in that corner, your uh, the audio listeners can't see this, but over my left shoulder is my recording booth. <laughs> the The blue is soundproofing. Oh, okay. So there's big blue panels. Uh, on yeah. Just, yeah. Okay. And that's soundproofing. Now, this one I know the answer to, and we actually didn't allude to it. Um, what are your goals now that have nothing to do with writing and reading? Um, because I do know you made a particular decision as a couple there of, month or two ago two months ago two months ago, months ago? yeah 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 uh survival, survival wedding, wedding planning, planning. 
<laughs> yeah. Yay. Yay. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. We got engaged a couple months ago. Wedding is next year. And we actually have one other goal that is not writing related. We are training to climb the highest mountain in the contiguous United States. Oh, cool. Mount okay. Albert. It's 14,400 feet. Wow. Okay. And that's yeah. Which is for reference, that's only 9,000 feet higher than we are now. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's, well, that's still pretty high though. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 And it's the tallest of the 14 years. For, 14ers? For, 14ers? 14ers. The, it, yeah, it's the tallest mountain outside of Alaska in the okay. U.S. Wow, that's, that's really It's about wild. two hours from where we live. Okay, that's good. We'll have to start the hike at like four o'clock in the morning. It's wow. nine hours. That's a lot of walking. <laughs> yeah, uphill the whole way. Well, I... <laughs> Well, I figured it would be uphill. <laughs> yeah, like I had twigged that. Um, last two questions are very easy. Um, we'll go with, I know, right? Two it's, more. It doesn't matter. Uh, Nick, what, uh, where can everyone find um, you particularly online? And then so I'll get you to say where they can find you online and then where you can find everything, all the together stuff. <laughs> uh, so Twitter. NJ underscore Sullivan, S-U-L-L-I-V-A-N. You hear how much better that comes out when I don't have myself in my ears? Um, on Instagram at 66 underground, that's the number 66 underground. Uh, I still have a TikTok, but I've kind of uh, semi-officially retired from TikTok. Uh, yeah, there was some issues there, so yeah. I'm not really posting there much anymore. In fact, I haven't posted there in like a week, I don't think, which is a lifetime in TikTok. Years. I was about to say, that's a yeah. really long time. TikTok, it just um, flies through. And that's me personally. That's where you can find me. Cool. Uh, Salosia, where can we find you? Oh, you're muted. Now you're both muted again. There we go. <laughs> it helps when you're not muted to tell people where you are. Um, <laughs> on Twitter, I am at Celosia Crane, uh, C-E-L-O-S-I-A, and Crane like the bird. And on Instagram, I am the exotic ant, uh, the underscore exotic underscore ant. Uh, my brother gave me that title, which is better than the title my sisters gave me, which was the queen of inappropriate footwear. Uh, <laughs> I, earned I earned that, that one. one. It's so true, too. It's so, it's so true. And then on Facebook at Celosia Crane Author. Awesome. Perfect stuff. And then all the, I, I'm pretty sure all the podcasts can be found on all the directories, but I know you have yes. a website that they're all found at. We have a website that is our merch store merch store oh sorry yes yeah which is lanternaudioworks.com we also have who was that that was somebody something from windows popping up on my computer there's three computers here yeah. i don't know who it was <laughs> um we have lantern audio works on twitter which is lantern underscore aw cool and just today we launched a Lantern Audio Works Facebook page, oh, awesome. which is 
at Lantern Audio Works. So, and we also have Instagram, oh, yeah. which is the same as the Twitter. And we have see this is Patreon. this is why I wrote notes. I was gonna say you. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's so out. much stuff. Um, we also have a Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Lantern Audio Works. Brilliant. We're just for, for what it's worth. For anyone who is listening or watching, trying to take them down, please don't forget that all the links people talk about will always be in the show notes and always be on the blog post. So it'll all be there. And so Rosie, I'm going to borrow that cheat sheet from you. <laughs> we're going to, I was going to say, we'll, we'll email you please. just the full list. <laughs> um, and guys, my very final question, then we'll leave it there, is what was the last book you both read? Ladies first. Well, I've been reading a book called Ridiculous. <laughs> So it's a humorous take on, uh, so this, she's a stand-up comedian and a television writer mm-hmm. and her reflections on her wedding planning and how ridiculous big wedding industry is. So <laughs> I appreciate her sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Nick, uh, what was the last book you read? Uh, currently, I actually have it right in front of me. I have. I am reading "Make Noise: A Creator's Guide to Podcasting and Great Audio Storytelling." <laughs> <laughs> um, most of my fiction reading, is, uh, by the way, this is a great book if anybody's interested in it. The guy works for National Public Radio oh, here, in the, here in the U.S. and podcast producer, and he works with Audible now, doing their in-house development stuff, and he's just got. It's not a lot of technical information, but it's more like interviewing information and finding a stable voice for your podcast. And what do you want to do? What format do you want to use? Like that kind of stuff. Quick, quick question. Is there a chapter there on interviewing two people at the same time that have never been interviewed before? Actually, I think that's a little that, too where that oh. mark, where, where the uh, bookmark is, is the chapter on interviewing. I haven't gotten all the way through it yet. <laughs> Because if you need probably. a chapter on that, I feel like I could write it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> We're a trial by fire. We definitely are. Um, uh, it's a, It was a fire, but it was a, a, an enjoyable one. So I'm not too worried. Um, guys, this has been... Yeah, it's been. It's definitely been. beautifully chaotic and fun and very... Uh, it's great to get to know both of you a little bit better as well. You too. Kind of you too. Interacting with you a lot on... TikTok and Twitter and all that kind of a thing. So and um, thank you so much. Did we mention the YouTube channel? Oh, we have a YouTube <laughs> channel too. <laughs> so we'll make sure and get you all those links. <laughs> all those links will be there, folks. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we have YouTube. Oh, shit. We didn't say YouTube. <laughs> but it was really nice to get to talk to you. And thank you for having us. Not at all. There we have it. Thanks once again to Nick and Celosia for coming on to the show. It was great having them as guests and I can't wait to work with them again in some way in the future someday. In the meantime, don't forget to post about the podcast and screenshot the post, email it to me before the 1st of September to be in with a chance of winning some great prizes. Speaking of great, tune in next week to listen to the great, look how many times can I use the word great in one podcast, to the great interview I have with Anna Pavel, a great author of great books such as the great The Moon Hunters and the also great The Garden of Stone Houses. Ugh, should I edit that out? Maybe not. Who knows? We'll find out. Chat to you all later.
Thanks for listening today. I hope you loved listening to this episode just as much as I loved recording it. If you like the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or over on Podchaser. Until then, be good, be brave, and tell stories. See ya.